I'm Caleb Brown, host of the Cato Daily Podcast. It is December, and I am once again here to ask you to support this podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute by becoming a podcast sponsor. If you support Cato to the tune of $1,000 or more, I'll gladly give you a shout out on the podcast. The only way to do it is to visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor to make your donation. Cato accepts no government money. We depend on the generosity of our sponsors to help us advance the values of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor and support the Cato Daily Podcast and the Cato Institute. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, December 14th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. West Virginia went from just about worst in school choice to first this year. How did it happen? What's the policy that's making West Virginia a leader in educational freedom? Jesse Troyan of West Virginia's Cardinal Institute comments. It pains me to have this conversation because uh, careful listeners and even not careful listeners of this podcast will know that I live in uh, Kentucky. And Kentucky this year passed a, uh, I thought, the best school choice program in the country. Um, But unfortunately, I am told by people who know better than I do that West Virginia, which really stole Kentucky's thunder in a very rude uh, way, uh, has actually the best school choice program. And uh, help me understand this. West Virginia went from zero to this program, essentially, for school choice, right? Absolutely. So just over two years ago, West Virginia still did not have even a charter school law on the books. That got passed in June of 2019. It was a very limited charter school bill. And that was the very first taste of education freedom in West Virginia. And then two years later, here it is. It's over 90% of the students in West Virginia are eligible for the newly established Hope Scholarship Program. So it's every current public school student in West Virginia and every student who's eligible or required to start kindergarten. So uh, this is the money that follows the student uh, from one school to another. Uh, so this is the state portion of the money that goes to schools. When your kid shows up, the school marks you down as attending this school. That's the money the school then gets for your child attending that school from the state. That money now follows the kid wherever. This is correct. And this can be used for private schooling, homeschooling, curriculum expenses, or anything as far as a parent's imagination can take them in customizing a truly 21st century education for their children. So West Virginia is perhaps, and again, pains me to say it, is the most notable state uh, in school choice in 2021. I, I think that's clear. Very much so. And if the the conversations that I've been having with friends and colleagues nationwide at SPN annual meeting this week, it is it is a model that everybody is hoping to emulate. What does that mean for schooling, in your opinion? I mean, because to me, my family, probably because of where we live and uh, our income and that sort of thing, we probably don't qualify for the program that exists in Kentucky. But I am at least heartened by the thought that when new school choice options bubble up for lower income families, that my family could take advantage of those too. 
I believe that this is absolutely where things are moving nationwide. And, uh, you know, you hate to say it, but I think the way that the pandemic upended so many things across lives, education being a particularly notable one, whether it's the whiplash of, are we going to be in person? Are we going to be remote? How are we going to do that? Uh, for a lot of families, I'm sure this is just as true in Kentucky as it is in West Virginia. Virtual schooling wasn't necessarily a reliable alternative because of broadband connectivity issues. So uh, the politics of these things are always really interesting. Um, Kentucky, it took a, a lone Democrat to, to make the thing happen. What happened in West Virginia? Why did the, you know, the governor signed it into law uh, and West Virginia is a good mix of uh, partisans. So what what happened to make this come through? So I think 2021, West Virginia and everything that happened with respect to education is it's a picture perfect moment of luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. So the Cardinal Institute and our coalition partners, be it EdChoice, Institute for Justice, Americans for Prosperity, West Virginia, um, and a bunch of activated parents who are really passionate about this issue kind of on the principles itself, plus, you know, their truly vested interests in their children and providing that better life for them. We've been working on this issue. It began as far back as 2015, continued to push the ball forward, educate West Virginians on what education savings accounts are, what this could mean for education in West Virginia and truly nationwide. And Basically, election night 2020, our state house, every constitutional office in West Virginia, Republicans were elected. Our Republican governor was reelected. And then super majorities were elected in the West Virginia House of Delegates and in the state Senate. So in years past where West Virginia has enjoyed partisan majorities that were able to afford us the opportunity in 2019 to get some modest reforms done. After 2020 election night, we had some pretty sound policy majorities within those partisan majorities that that made the lift from a political perspective um, much more attainable than it had ever been. And we knew that this was an opportunity that absolutely could not be passed on. So uh, again, the politics of this, what was the, what were the biggest points of resistance and, uh, I, I, it's a leading question, but how did COVID help you overcome those points of opposition? So I I forget the specifics of it, and that's partially because I was not part of sort of the lobbying arm of this coalition. But there were definitely some delegates that our lobbyists and other people spoke to in the state house that maybe they weren't with us in 2019, but then they had heard from their constituents about everything that has happened here over the last year is, it's garbage, our world is upside down, our kids are suffering, we need something else. And so I think a lot of it is where some of these elected representatives conceptually, they they sort of understood the logic, but they weren't really bought into it. But by the time 2021 rolled around, it was real. It was real to them, some of them personally, but they had heard from their constituents in a way that they did not hear from in the past. 
for uh, my friends who are the people who are like activists in school choice. They have known, at least in Kentucky, they have known only failure until this year. And uh, so they were not really prepared for success. So what is step two? What does 2022 look like for school choice in, in West Virginia? The biggest priority right now is ensuring that parents understand the new options available to them. You know, options for a lot of folks, if you're a generational West Virginian, you were born and raised here, your parents, your grandparents, this is a wide open set of opportunities that has never before been seen in our state. So it's educating, you know, the demand side, the families, the students who can use this. And at the same time, we need to be reaching out to, you know, the broad spectrum of education service providers, be that ensuring that private schools know what they have to do to be a part of the Hope Scholarship Program and reaching out to further to kind of non-traditional education sort of opportunities. So whether that's local YMCAs that have particular programming oriented towards youth, giving them various skills for, you know, college career and life, and even kind of further down on a micro level, thinking about who are, say, the retired teachers that still kind of have a passion for it, uh, could still do a great deal of good work throughout West Virginia in their own st uh, standalone tutoring opportunities. So it's making sure that both this demand side from, you know, the parents and families, and also that there's a great supply of options for people to to utilize when the program goes live on no later than July 1st, 2022. Has there been any legal backlash? Just very recently in West Virginia, a group uh, sent out their notice of intent to sue on the Hope Scholarship. Now, I am not a lawyer, nor do I play one on TV. Um, so my my commentary on that should be taken with a grain of salt. But I think that Broadly speaking, I think we put together a, a good bill that was constructed, a good bill that was passed, and I have faith that the Hope Scholarship will still be standing when all the legal battles are through. Jesse Troyan is with the Cardinal Institute for West Virginia Policy. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>